believe I can fly, you know, <laughs> add that to your prayers, feel free to do that. Uh, I'm going to be a little unapologetic this morning and give you a slight warning that I'm going to talk a lot about my daughter this morning. Um, I think it's the first time that I've been up here preaching since she's been born, so it's been a few months, and uh, there's going to be a lot of baby stuff in here, so if you don't like babies, you might want to just leave, right? I mean, what's wrong with you if you don't like babies? But uh, I've always been somewhat jealous of preachers, too, that have kids, I'll be honest, like, because when you listen to preaching enough, like I do, like, they always have the best illustrations, man. Like, kids make the best <laughs> illustrations. So that's why I had a kid, actually, so we could actually feel, I was running out of stories and illustrations. Um, but no, she'll, um, I think she's actually going to be here the second service. That's the plan for the first time uh, today. Uh, we, we laugh at that sketch, right? Um, Michael Jr., that's the guy's name. He's one of my favorite uh, Christian comedians. But it's one of those jokes and one of those things where I think we laugh because it's, it's kind of true. Uh, maybe prayer is something that you're somewhat intimidated by. Uh, maybe prayer brings a little bit of confusion when you think about, you know, how do I even begin to pray? Maybe you've heard these elaborate prayers and, and you're like, man, I, like you kind of said, I can't pray like that. You know, I don't play, pray anywhere close to that. And maybe you're thinking, what do I begin to say to God? What, can, what does little me begin to say to the God that created all things, that knows all things? You know, and I think for maybe many of us in this room, prayer brings maybe a sense of intimidation. Maybe it's a little bit of confusion. And, man, I, I think that's kind of a shame because prayer is such a powerful tool that we have. Um, and luckily, like, I don't have to clear this stuff up because Jesus does an amazing job of clearing it up uh, for us. And so we are in week two of our series uh, called Greatest Hits. And so here's what we're not doing. I'll start here. Here's what we're not doing in, our se- in this series. We're not saying that these are the greatest things that Jesus said. You know, we're not saying these are the most important things that Jesus said. We're simply saying these are his greatest hits. These are the popular things that he has said. So many of you probably have heard these stories before. Many of you have heard these scriptures and these teachings before. Chances are your friends, your neighbors, people that even don't go to church might have heard of these scriptures. Uh, these have permeated culture. They've permeated church. They've permeated music and movies and everyday conversation. These are the, the greatest hits of Jesus. And so we're hoping through this series that we kind of breathe new life into these scriptures. Uh, you know when you, com- you become really familiar with something, sometimes you don't really pay attention to it as much. Uh, these scriptures can become like that. Man, they are, they are such amazing teaching in the scripture, and we hope that, man, we don't just glance over this. And so we're breathing, hope, hopefully, new life into these scriptures. Last week, we looked at the house on the rock. I mean, I thought Mike did a great job, and at the end there, there was three words that he mentioned. I hope you remember these words where he's talking about following, believing, and obeying Jesus. And how those three things, man, it's all the process of salvation. And it's a great message. I would love for you to check it out if you haven't done that. Today, we look at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, something that for, I would guess for a lot of you is pretty familiar. Maybe you even memorized this prayer as a kid. Maybe you pray this prayer on a weekly basis. Uh, it's a prayer that I think we, we know, but I'm thinking maybe we misunderstand some of it as well. And so I, as I was preparing for the message this morning, I, I began to think about how kids pray. You know, kids are obviously on my mind. I, was, I began to think about how kids pray. I can remember sitting in Sunday school class. I grew up in the church. My dad was a preacher and, a, and the youth pastor when I grew up, and he became the lead pastor. And so I was at church all the time. Some of you were like that as a kid. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I was at church. And so I remember sitting in Sunday school class, and the teacher, he or she, would always ask, is there anything that anyone needs to pray about? Now, at least in my class, like every hand would shoot up. I don't know if you had this kind of class, but every hand would shoot up, and they were like, all right, well, let's go around the room. Sometimes they were somewhat serious things, you know, like my dad's in the hospital or something. But often, 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 
they were just kind of ridiculous things. And, and you know, the child might say, you know, well, I was outside yesterday and I got bit by an ant on my stomach. And he's like, well, look at, the, look at this ant bite. Look at this. Can we pray about this? It's red and it's swollen. It's really nasty. Can we pray about this ant bite? Uh, my cat coughed up a hairball and it's really gross. Can you pray for my cat? Uh, these are the kind of the prayer requests that sometimes you hear from kids. And I kind of love that. You know, I, I love the, the openness, the honesty that kids have with prayer. Man, they don't care what you think, do they? They don't care about using big, impressive words. But, man, this is important to them. And so they want to pray about it. Uh, my, my three-month-old, she is not praying yet. We are... We were working really hard on that. Like, I think we're a few weeks away. Um, but, so I asked my sister, I've talked about my, my nieces a good amount when I'm, when I'm up here. They make good illustrations as well. But I, I asked her, I was like, I'm like, hey, can you send me some prayers that, that your kids have done? Um, and so she was very gracious, and she actually said she went through Facebook, like years worth of Facebook stuff, and found some of this stuff. And so uh, I have three nieces, uh, Sadie, Lydia, and Evie. Uh, Sadie is the oldest one. She's nine years old right now. But at the, at the age of three, so about six years ago, they started praying with her at night. And so her dad, my brother-in-law, would go into her room with Sadie, and they started doing these nighttime prayers. And so he started one of these prayers, and this was pretty early on when they started praying. He said, you know, thank you, God, for our family. And so it's at this point that Sadie's sitting here, and she butts in. Thank you, God, for our family. And, she says, and thank you, God, for my stickers and my numbers and my closet and my suitcase, and my clock, and everything, amen. So that was one of the nighttime prayers, and I love that list, right? Because, I mean, she's obviously probably, like looking around the room and just seeing things that she's thankful for, um, but I love that. That tells you a little bit about a child's mind in prayers. Around the same time when she was about uh, three years old still, uh, she told my brother-in-law and sister, and this, this will warm your heart, man, if you're a parent. She said, you know, when you leave the room, a lot of times I'll keep on praying to God. Um, and a lot of times I'll actually sing a song to God. Man, a little three-year-old, right? That tells you a little bit about how sweet my little niece is. Um, I'm hoping my daughter is just as sweet as that. And then uh, the middle one, Lydia, uh, Sarah calls her the wild woman. That just tells you, a little, like, if Sadie is a reserved one, Lydia is the wild woman. Uh, she said that when she was about the same age, about three years old, they started again these nighttime prayers with Lydia. And she would always pray for the people in the hospital. Uh, they said they don't really know why, because they didn't really visit people at that time. There was no family members in the hospital, but she always prayed for the people in the hospital. What's kind of funny about that is that sometimes she would get confused, and she would thank God for the people that were in the hospital, um, kind of confused about helping them. But anyway, her, her heart was in the right place, and she was praying for the people in the hospital. And I, and I kind of love that, man, as a three-year-old, to think about those people. Uh, they didn't send me any prayers about Evie, like the young one, so uh, she's a rebel. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if she doesn't pray or... Third, third child, right? Like anyone have like three or four ch children, you just kind of leave them be at that point. Uh, I, I, wouldn't I wouldn't advocate praying like a kid, uh, but I think it gives us a glimpse into the, the realness maybe that sometimes we miss in our prayers. Uh, the openness, the honesty that maybe that should be in our prayers. Uh, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, uh, 5 through 13 today. Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 13. If you have like a real paper Bible, man, I see some of you opening it. Awesome. Uh, flip to that. We're going to be hovering in this scripture for a while. Uh, we rarely bring, like, paper Bibles anymore out. Bring your Bible if you can. I think it's good to just to, to read it instead of looking on the screen. So Matthew chapter 6, uh, 5 through 13. In this passage today, Jesus is teaching the Lord's Prayer, as we often call it, how to pray. You'll find this prayer as well in Luke chapter 11. It's the same type of prayer, but it's a different context. In Luke, the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, Lord, how do we pray? And so Jesus teaches them this prayer. In Matthew, he's in this kind of big Sermon on the Mount. We talked about the Sermon on the Mount last week with the House on the Rock. 
And so I wanted to set the scene for you before we jump into Matthew chapter 6. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, how the, the sermon begins. Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 2. And now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And so this is a point in Jesus' ministry where the crowds are forming around Jesus. You know, Jesus has been doing amazing, amazing things. Miracles and healings and incredible teaching. And the crowds are building and building and building around Jesus. And it gets to this part where he actually goes onto this kind of this hill, this mountainside, and he begins to teach his disciples. And so here's the scene to where the disciples have formed this kind of inner circle around Jesus. And the crowd has been kind of forming in kind of this outer circle. And so, so here's what's happening. Have you ever listened to somebody's, like, phone conversation before? Not, not in a creepy way. Like, don't, don't look at me like that. Like, not in a weird way, but, like, you've, you've listened in because maybe their phone was up really loud and you just couldn't help but, like, be a part of the conversation. Uh, maybe you've gone to a restaurant. I hate these kinds of restaurants. And, and you, you sit down and the, and the table's, like, a half a foot away. And you feel like you got to shake the hand of the person, like, hey, like, we're going to have conversations the whole night. Um, and maybe you kind of, you hear the conversation the whole time. Well, this is similar to what's going on, because Jesus is teaching the disciples, and it's very much directed at them. But you see, the crowd has formed close enough to where they're hearing what Jesus is talking about. And they're listening in. They want to hear his teaching. So Matthew chapter 6, if you flipped over there, uh, we're going to be in verse uh, chapter 5, and we'll work through this. And Jesus says, and when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And so maybe you can imagine this scene. Again, I told you, inner circle of disciples, outer circle of the crowd. And Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites. Jesus was a pretty blunt dude, man. Like, sometimes we think of Jesus as this real kind of, like, laid-back guy that, like, is really teaching real quietly. But he's like, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, in this crowd, you have to imagine there were Pharisees. And if you've read, read enough of Matthew, you would know that Jesus consistently calls the Pharisees, almost to their face, hypocrites. So in the crowd, there would have been a lot of people, but the Pharisees would have been there. I like, I like to imagine Jesus as kind of like, don't be like the hypocrites. And kind of like pointed, like, I don't think he was doing that. But, but you get the point. Like, they knew that Jesus was talking about them. And so here's what he says. Don't be like them, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. Now, that wouldn't be uncommon, right? Like a synagogue was a church building, so they pray in it. You would expect that if you walked into a church today for people to, to pray, right? That's, that's no big deal. But here's what's really odd to me. And on the street corners. You see, back in this time, a devout Jew who would have been a Pharisee, they would have had specific prayer times throughout the day. Uh, it's kind of like the Muslim prayer time that we see to where they pray, you know, every like three or four hours. And so a devout Jew would have had this. And so say it was like 3 o'clock p.m. Here's kind of what it seems like is happening here, where maybe a Pharisee would be like, all right, 255, all right, all right, walk around, all right, 259. They get to the street corner right at 3 o'clock at their prayer time, and they start praying, dear God. Now, that would be weird in this culture, but, man, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, they were revered back in that day. And so it seems like the Pharisees are seeking the crowds. You see, they're going out of their way to find people to listen to their prayers. And so here's what Jesus is getting at here. Uh, prayer, it's not about being seen. But you see, prayer is about being unseen. So Jesus says, you know, instead, it's much better to be hidden in a room. Why? Because public prayer is bad, right? Are y'all still listening? 
No, no, public prayer is not bad. But why? Because public prayer can lead to certain things, right? And it's not just public prayer. It can be public worship. It can be public anything that we do with God. Public prayer can lead to us thinking about other people. Uh, public prayer can lead to us thinking about, all right, I have to say the right words because I've I got to kind of impress that person or I've got to make sure I don't look foolish. See, public prayer can lead to something. And I think Jesus is pointing at something that, that maybe we struggle with. Uh, I went to camp uh, every, single, every single year through middle school, through high school. Again, preacher's kid, I went anytime the church went to do something. And so I loved going to camp, and I actually went to CLI, which is a camp that we bring our youth to, and, and it's a great camp. And every night, uh, most of the groups, and, and we did the same thing, you end the night where you start talking about the day. And so we talk about, you know, the worship and the message, and we'd always end with prayer time. And so we were kind of a close-knit group, and so we usually, you know, we, we'd join hands, or by Friday we were really close, and so we'd put our arms over each other's shoulders. And so we'd, we'd, we'd be praying as a group, and we'd work around, and everybody had to pray. It was, it was a high school group. We were old enough. We had to pray. So everyone would go around the circle. And I, and I kind of hate to admit, but, but often I was thinking about what I would say about the entire time. Um, I rarely was thinking about what other people were praying. And I, also, I often was developing these prayers in my mind, uh, standing in that circle. Now, we had one of these people in the circle, too. And, and almost every prayer circle I've found has one of these people. And you might be one of these people. Uh, they affirm you when you pray. You know what I'm talking about? Like, these are the people, like, you pray something really good, and they maybe they give you, like, a guttural, like, mm. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, may, if, you might be one of those people, and, and it's not your fault if you are. You're great. But maybe they give you, like, a yes, like, yes, Lord, like, yes. Uh, we had one of those people in the prayer circle. Um, I, I wanted those mm's. I wanted the yes, Lord. I hate to admit this, y'all, like, it makes me look bad, but I, I sought after that. And so, I, and I knew, man, if I prayed something really good, if I prayed something really good, I'd get a, mm. and then, then I knew I was praying really well, right? Yeesh. Uh, prayer is about being seen. It's not about being seen, but being unseen. Uh, let's continue, verse, uh, verse 7. And when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. You all know what babbling is. Maybe you've heard babbling before. I have a, a quick little video to show you a glimpse of what babbling is. Tell me. Tell me a story. I have no shame. I'm just, I'm showing her just to really show her off there. But uh, that gives you a, a, a glimpse in babbling, right? Uh, and technically, that's cooing, I think, if we're going to be very technical. But babbling is just like nonsense, right? He's saying, hey, the, 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 and I'm not comparing my daughter to the pagans. Don't go there either. Uh, but he says the pagans, they, they babble. They say empty words, man. The pagans at this time, they would have chanted stuff to their gods. You know, God, give me this. God, give me this. And maybe they believe that God would give it to him if they said it enough. And he says, hey, don't babble like the pagans. And it's almost the idea here that if we say enough prayers, if we, if we pray hard enough, if we share this post enough on Facebook, then God will answer my prayer. But he says, the Father knows what, 
you need before you even ask him. And so a question that I thought about as I was reading through this and studying this week was, like, why do we, why do we pray? You know, why do we pray if God knows what we need? You know, what's the purpose of prayer? And something that I feel like sometimes God really, like, reveals, like, like big things, you know, when you're studying, and sometimes, not every week, but man, I feel like God revealed something pretty cool this week, and, and for me, it kind of hit me pretty hard, because uh, I, when I thought about this, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't really pray like this, but I think if you take it to heart, it might, it really might revolutionize the way that you pray, and so I think here's what Jesus is getting at. He's saying, prayer is not about convincing, but it's about being convinced, and you see the difference there. Prayer is not about convincing God of what you need, of what you might want, but prayer is about being convinced by God of what you need, being convinced by God of what you need in your life. You know, and as I think about my prayer life, and maybe you look at yours, I, I feel like I'm convincing God a lot of times, or trying to. You know, God, here's, here's what I really want in my life. Maybe if I prayed enough, man, God, maybe you'll, you'll see my logic, and, and you'll come down here, and then you'll align with me. Maybe a lot of you are doing that. You're trying to tell God, hey, align with me, God. Like, God, not, not in those words, but hey, this is what I really want. This is what I really need, God. Can you, can you just see things my way? Because God, I, I kind of really know what I want. I really know what I need. See, a lot of us are trying to convince God of things. I think in reality, we pray to be convinced by God. And you see, Jesus' prayer life, it reflected this. If you think about Jesus' life and his ministry, uh, on his last day before the crucifixion, it's a very common prayer, and, and we've, you've probably uh, read it before, where he prays before he's about to die on the cross, and he's praying to God, and it's very heartfelt. And I'm going to summarize it just really in a few words. But essentially he says, God, like, you know, I don't want to do this. You know, I don't want to die tomorrow. I don't want to die on a cross tomorrow. But he says, but it's your will. And he's like, if, if I have to do this, I will. And God, give me the strength. And obviously that was Jesus, right? Like that, that's somebody we will never be. But I think about that prayer and I think about how that changed the world. You see, that prayer, that mindset of it's your will and not my will changed the world. And I wonder how your life would change. You know, I wonder how the world would change, how this country would change we prayed a lot less about us and more about God. A lot less about our will and more about God's will. How would your life look differently? See, Jesus says, prayer is not about being seen, but it's about being unseen. Prayer is not about convincing God, but being convinced. So this is when he prays the Lord's Prayer. And you've got to know that background before you even see the Lord's Prayer, because that goes everything into this prayer. All right, uh, verse number 9. Uh, this, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I love the way Jesus begins this prayer. He says, our Father. He doesn't say my Father, but our Father. He's including everyone there in that circle. And that next word, Father, I don't think there's a more key word in this prayer than that word right there, where he says, Father. Jesus would have been speaking Aramaic here, where he says, Abba. It very much means father, dad, daddy. I'm working very hard to convince, <laughs> convince my daughter to say dada first. I don't know if I can convince her to do that, but it's really the only word that I say in front of her. Like, I don't really say anything else. I just consistently say dada. Uh, and I'm hoping that she picks that up at some point. We actually bought the, um, 
the Jimmy Fallon book. Have you seen this book? Parents, maybe you've seen that. I think it's called Dada. And uh, I, I read this to her all the time. Uh, you flip it open, and, and there's pictures of animals. Uh, and there are these really cool illustrations, and there might be two cows, and one cow says moo, and one cow says dada. Uh, you flip it open, two pigs, oink, dada. Uh, so it's awesome. It's, um, it's kind of mind control, I think, now that I think about it. But um, either way, whatever word she says, I'm going to be super happy, though, when she does say dad. You know, dada, pops, father, whatever she wants to say. Um, because when, you know, when she says those words, she's beginning to recognize who I am. Maybe she doesn't completely understand it at that point, but she's beginning to see me for her dad, and to me that's such a cool thing, and I, I can't wait for her to actually say those words. You see, when we call God Father, we recognize who he is in our life, that he's not just this guy that's out there, this divine being that we don't really know who he is, but he is our Abba, you know, he is our Father. And Jesus ends this little part by saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I love that line too, man. We could do an entire sermon on that line. But don't you think, I'll just go a little bit. Don't you think that this world would be different if we prayed that prayer? I believe this country would look differently if Christians prayed this type of prayer. You see, I think too many times we're worried about our will and our kingdom instead of God's kingdom and his will. All right, let's keep moving on because I can go for a long time in that. Uh, verse 11. Uh, Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this is when Jesus gets into the, the petitions, you would say, where he asks God for certain things. And with all of these petitions, it's with the background of God's will is most important. And so check this out. We're going to kind of throw some, some points here on the screen. When he says, give us today our daily bread, I believe that Jesus is saying, in a sense, God, convince us to seek only what we need. You see, he's not saying, hey, God, I really want the steak and potatoes as well. You know, hey, God, I really want that job. I'd really like that new car because mine's not very good. I'd really like that thing. But he says, hey, give us our daily bread. God, convince us to be content with what we have. You see how that aligns with God's will right there. Uh, the next line, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. God, hey, convince us to be people of forgiveness. Man, when I make mistakes, God, I'm a sinner. Help me to go to you and ask forgiveness. Man, when people sin against me, Help me to forgive them. God, we need your forgiveness. You are holy, and we are not. It lines up with God's will. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, hey, convince us to look towards you during trials. God, when temptation comes in our life, and we want to maybe move this direction, God, man, help us to look towards you. See, all, everything that Jesus asks here is right in line with God's will. So I wonder when you pray... Do the things that you ask for, do they line up with God's will? Or are they more about your will? Do they line up with spreading God's kingdom, or do they line up with spreading your kingdom? And so usually th this prayer, it would end, if you memorize this, uh, maybe as a kid, it would end, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. See, that's a line that's somewhat debated on if it was in the original prayer, and so it's probably not in your Bibles if you're looking at it right now. But it's a very cool line as far as this is part of Christian tradition. And so I would encourage you to memorize that and, and to pray that if you do this prayer. So when we look at the Lord's Prayer, maybe you got in front of you, maybe you looked on the screen. When you look at the Lord's Prayer, I got to say, to get to this point, to th get to this point where you pray like that, you got to know who God is. You see, you got to know who God is, and that is that God is not just this divine being that is just kind of out there, but God is your Father. 
You see, often this prayer is not called the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually called the Our Father, and I think it's very appropriate that it's called that. Um, so as I said in the beginning, like I've, it's been three or four months since I've been up here preaching, and so my daughter is a little bit older than three months old now at this point. Uh, I don't have a clue what I'm doing, I'll tell you. Uh, but she's alive. Um, I count that as success. Um, man, it's been, it's been a whirlwind. Uh, new parents, I think I've talked to some of y'all, like it's, 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 it's a whirlwind in the beginning. Uh, you're trying to get life back to normal. Uh, life is all of a sudden like shaking up like crazy and um, everything is different. You know, people told us that nothing prepares you for having a kid. Uh, understatement of the year, I think. Um, nothing prepares you for a baby crying at three in the morning. Uh, we had a puppy. He barked a little bit. You can throw him in a crate. You don't have to worry about him. Uh, you can't do that with a baby. Uh, nothing prepares you for a baby that cries at three in the morning. Nothing prepares you if a baby is crying and you've tried everything. Uh, some of you had babies that cry. My baby cries. Some of y'all don't have babies that cry. I don't want to hear from you if you don't. Like, I don't care that your baby don't cry, but mine does. And so when your baby cries and you try everything and everything and everything, nothing prepares you when nothing works. And you just got to hold this crying baby until she calms down. Uh, nothing prepares you for, I'll say, the overwhelming feeling of love as well, though. The overwhelming feeling that as crazy as life is now, uh, it's all worth it in the end. Uh, the first few months have felt like surviving for Sarah and I. Uh, some of your parents, I just saw you shook your head. Uh, th- it's not a scientific term, but it's, we really felt like month one, month two was survival mode. And not, not for the baby, but for mom and dad. And, and so it's, it's one of those things where I, man, I, I laugh at Jonathan and Sarah like a few months ago. Because like, I got up here at one point, I told you we were reading and we were planning and you all laughed at me and you should have laughed at me because man, I read Baby Wise, you know, and I got... Uh, an app that we were scheduling her feedings and sleepings and her poops and her pees and we had it all we had it all like <laughs> scheduled out for like days. Uh, I threw it all out by like day three, and we got to survival mode. And it was man, if this baby's not crying, like do it. You know, if she's sleeping this way, do it. We were surviving. Uh, we've gotten a little bit past that, and we feel like I don't, we're not quite thriving yet. That rhymes with that, but we'll say it's a little bit more normal. Uh, things are starting to even out a little bit. Uh, we're, try- we're still trying to get the sleep schedule figured out, um, but who needs sleep, right? You don't need that. It's overrated. Um, but I, I'm a father, and it's, it's, I still say that, and it sounds weird to me. Um, for those of you who are first-time dads, first-time moms, I, I think it takes a while to maybe click in. Um, it's very real, but maybe click, to click in that you're actually a dad or actually a mom, it's weird. You know, I think of God, and I think of my earthly dad. Um, and I've learned a lot of things, I think, already. Uh, she doesn't say a word, but she can, she's taught me a lot. Um, I'll, I'll say a few things. I could say a lot of things that I've learned already, but I'll say a few things. And I, I'm getting to the point of maybe I can see myself as a father. But uh, the first thing is, is that, well, there she is. I didn't even know she was on the screen that whole time. Um, see, isn't she cute? Uh, I've learned that I'm desperate for her affection. Um, we're at the point where she's smiling a lot now, and so I spend a lot of my day uh, trying to get her to smile. Uh, parents, when you first see that first smile, it, it's super, super cool. Um, and so I spend a lot of day trying to get her to smile. Uh, when I hold her, she does something now where she like kind of grabs my shirt, like almost like a vice grip, um, which I just think is pretty cool. Uh, I'm desperate, really, for her affection. When she's crying, when she's crying, I'll pick her up, and she'll be, she'll be in that real just, whoo, 
you should, like she can barely breathe. Some of your kids were like that. And you pick her up and it's like, oh, and it's like this huge sigh. And I was like, oh, all right. It, it's it's kind of cool picking her up as a dad like that. Um, but I'll tell you, God is desperate for your affection. You see, God as um, our father is desperate for your affection. Uh, he's desperate for you to spend time with him. He's desperate for you to talk to him. He's desperate for you to be near him. You see, you only see that when you see God as Father, not just as this God out there, but God as Father. Um, I've learned that I would do anything for her. Um, it's crazy how a three-month-old can change your life within uh, just really a few months. Um, but I, I've learned that, and Sarah and I said it, like we, we feel like we would give our life for our child. And I know every parent, I think, would do that. Um, you feel like you would do that. You would give your life for your kid. Um, you know, I feel like I would do anything for her. You see, your father, our Father, our, our God, our Father, he says the same thing. He says, you know, I would do anything for you. And sometimes we lose sight of that when we don't see God as our Father. You see, God did the same thing. He said, I would give my life for you. He says, I would lay it down for you. I would pay the price. I would suffer so you don't have to. But I've also learned that I want Anne, I want her to always have uh, what she needs. But here's the difference, not necessarily what she wants. Um, I know if she always got what she wants, she'll turn into a pretty terrible kid probably. Um, but I want her to have what she needs. I always want her to have that. Um, even as a three-month-old, she has things that she wants right now that I don't give her. Um, you know, she'd, she'd like to be held 24-7. I'm sure she would. Uh, but she needs to learn independence, you know, a little bit. Uh, she'd like to stay up later. Our, our baby doesn't sleep really. Um, and so she'd love to stay up, like, at all hours, but she gets super cranky uh, when she does. And so, you know, she needs to sleep. Uh, you see, our Father in heaven, he, he wants you to have what you need, not necessarily what you want. And we're not always going to know maybe what we need. And that's the thing is, is we've got to trust God. We've got to know that him as our Father, he knows what we need. Um, not necessarily what we want, though. See, I, I believe it's only when you see God as Abba, as Father, that you pray in this way. It's only when you see him as that that you can pray to be unseen. Because, man, you're talking to dad. You're talking to father. Who cares what people think? See, it's only when we see God as father that we're not trying to convince him because God is our father. See, God knows what we need. It's only then that our prayers become not about my will, but God's will. Not about, hey, God, come align with me, but... God, let me align with you. Hey, God, let me convince you, but no, let me be convinced. Hey, God, not me, but you. So we wanted to give you just a minute or two to pray. Uh, silently to yourself, these will be prayers that you're not seen. These are unseen prayers. Um, and for maybe for a few of you, this will be a prayer that you've never prayed before. Um, if you're like me, a lot of times your prayers are a little bit selfish. Um, so I, I'd ask you that you take a minute or two and you pray not for your desires, not for your wants, but you pray for God's desires. You pray for God's wants. If you're struggling with words, look at this prayer. Pray for God's kingdom. Uh, pray for God's will. Uh, music's going to be playing for just a minute or two, uh, and we're going to finish by actually saying the, the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, together at the end. And so um, I'll call your attention when that takes place. So take a few minutes and pray silently to yourself.